all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello! <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Um, housekeeping. Housekeeping. Like, like who has a fancy index card? Yes. <laughs> Trying to remember all the things I wanted to mention on our um, housekeeping. First of all, follow us on all the social meds. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at AllBadThingsPod, AllBadThingsPod at gmail.com, AllBadThingsPod.com. I think that's it. Just Google All Bad Things Pod. And you'll find us. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've honestly never really looked. So. I, I've not Googled us. <laughs> no, I haven't either. Yeah. Um, uh, also, uh, rate and subscribe if you can. Rate, review, subscribe. Um, we're up to eight five star reviews. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's awesome. That's a total of 40 stars. <laughs> yes, we have 40 stars on, <laughs> on iTunes. Um, and I wanted to specifically call out a couple, um, weeks ago, we had a review posted on iTunes by a user named Eva Mama. I'm guessing that's okay. a, like a username, but, um, handle. yeah, but she said, well, I say she, I don't know that this listener said they are from Hungary. So they specifically mentioned the, um, Ica flood, sludge the, flood, the sludge flood. Mm-hmm. Say and, I guess uh, sludge flood. Sludge flood. Very good. <laughs> Say it three times really fast. I know. And a Viking will appear. <laughs> um, and they said that they especially enjoyed laughing at my attempts at pronouncing Hungarian, <laughs> which I can appreciate. I yeah, laugh too. I'm, I'm sure it is hilarious to them. <laughs> yes. But uh, to me, it was like, yeah, that's that's the best it's probably going to get. I'm yes. Not, I'm not going to try. No. Well, I mean, I, I had to, so, but yeah. So, um, also, a couple things to mention. Um, shout out to our listener, Brooke, who commented on Instagram. Remember, we don't have that many people who listen, so you sh- give us a shout out, and we'll give you a shout out. Like, that's how it works. We will so, respond. Yes. So, thanks, Brooke. Um, In kind, as they say. Yes. And wanted to call out a couple of pod friends, part of our pod squad, our pod people. (laughs) Pod squad, I like that too. Pod squad, yes. I did not come up with that. That's like a hashtag. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, First to um, one of our good pod friends, um, Rachel from Yours and Murder. Yes. Um, She... She went solo on this week's um, episode, which I think came out yesterday, which this is coming out Monday, so Friday. That's all very confusing. I believe it came out on December 8th. Um, Anyway, she she had to record it herself because her sister was sick, so she had to do all the research and do the whole thing herself. She said it took like 10 pages of research because when you're just talking to yourself, there's no one to shoot the shit with, you know? That is true. So... Because that wastes a lot of our time. It's you helpful. Could pro- <laughs> you could probably do this one by yourself for the most part. I could not do this by myself. There's just no way. What, what do you mean? Our the- podcast. Like, I could not do it alone. Oh. You potentially could. I wouldn't... I don't think it would... 
come across very well. I mean, I think the whole point of our version of this, because there are other people who do disaster podcasts mm-hmm. and they're sometimes solo, but that's because they're, they're very thoroughly researched. They know what they're talking about. I don't. I just <laughs> like, I just like talking about disasters. I like discussing them. So shout out to all those thoroughly researched people. <laughs> yes. Which Rachel and Rebecca do yes, on Years do. of Murder. Um, Rachel had to do this one on her own. One though, of them so is uh, a forensics? Yes. I think... Um, Major or oh, man. professional? One or the other? I don't want to get this wrong because they're, they're good pod friends. So let me look real quick so that I don't say this wrong. One of them is involved in that in some form or fashion. Yeah, I can't find it quick enough, so I will correct next week. But yes, one of them is involved in forensics, and I believe the other is a journalist. Yes. Yeah. I think that's... Because I've listened to a couple of their mm-hmm. podcasts. So. Yeah. So the one and that... They, they mentioned that here and yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So the one that came out on um, the 8th is actually a disaster. It's, it's the Iroquois... Um, is it Iroquois? Iroquois. 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 Sorry. <laughs> Iroquois Theater Fire of Chicago. Well, as, as far as how I was grew up. Well, grew up. you also how, said... How I grew up, how I was taught it, is it was Iroquois. You also said orange and sorry, so... Well, that's just more of an accent. <laughs> I thought it was Iroquois. It's like people who say Illinois. It's like, no, it's Illinois. Who says Illinois? People do. Who? Yeah, I, I hear it. I don't it. know that I've ever I heard it. I hear it from time to time. That's really? weird. Yeah. You've never heard somebody... In Illinois? No. Yeah. I've heard Nevada and Colorado, which drives me a little nuts, although I've been told that it is Nevada and Colorado, but I say Nevada and Colorado, I'll admit. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. We can probably, anyway. We can probably cut all of that. <laughs> probably. <laughs> but... Let's, let's get on to the beer, maybe. <laughs> well, no. Um, I wanted to... Oh, I wanted okay. to finish Oh, that, I'm sorry. That... So, even though their podcast is called Yours and Murder, it's not um, just straight up like true crime murder um to my knowledge i believe rachel mentioned because i don't know much about the air quad theater fire because we haven't done it i don't know about it at all it was apparently like the deadliest theater fire or something like that in the u.s anyway um it apparently was due to like gross negligence or something like that but anyway if you want to hear it about that disaster go listen Okay. To I, I yours think I, and murder. I will mm-hmm. do that. I'm actually going to abstain just because whenever we do it, I don't want to be too influenced. Like, I don't want to rip her off, basically. I want to do my own spin on it. Because what I really love about things like true crime podcasts and stuff, there's a ton of them out there. There's yes. a ton of us out there. Yes. But what is the best thing is that no one can cover a subject exhaustively. So no, yeah, not really. I mean, it, unless it you do like a twenty-parter, you know. And it also depends on like the angle you're taking. I mean, it really does. Right. So what I'm saying is like, each podcast has their own spin on it. Yeah. Concentrates on different details. So I actually really like to hear different things about the same incidents. You know, sure. same murders, same disasters, whatever, because you get a different perspective and different information each yeah. time. So. Yeah, I um, I think it's awesome that they're also covering that sort of thing. There's also a podcast called Disaster Area that Rachel really recommends. Okay. And that's Rachel from Yours and Murder. I am not speaking to my, <laughs> by myself, about myself in She's the third person. She's not speaking 
Yes, in the third person. Right. This time. <laughs> right. Not yet. <laughs> I haven't gotten that far yet. Um, <laughs> wait until I finish this beer. But uh, <laughs> it is a ten percenter. It's it an not? eleven percenter. Oh, eleven. Yes. Oh. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, but I've not heard. I've not listened to Disaster Area because we that the woman who does Disaster Area does cover just straight disasters. Sure. And again, I don't want to be too influenced by it until after we've we've done something on it. But yeah, if, obviously, if you're listening to this, you're into disasters, and you're probably into true crime too. So those are two to definitely give a listen to. And one more, um, there's a podcast called Blood on the Rocks. Yes. That, that you I mentioned. Yeah. This week. I um uh I I can't say met, but you know, like Twitter met, social meds met, online met. <laughs> <laughs> the host. The, the modern-day form of meeting. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> and he's from England, and so for we Americans, fun to listen to just for the brilliant accents, or as he said in one of um, his messages to me, brill! <laughs> oh, well, they've gone there. Isn't that awesome? Well, so, <laughs> British people own slang. I mean, Cockney rhyming slang is like this whole thing, and what? I don't know. They're just... Have you never heard of Cockney rhyming slang? Look yeah. it up. Oh, we shouldn't get I'm into it now because we're afraid. going long. But <laughs> but anyway, it's it's funny. It's interesting. Check it out. Um, plus British accents. So totally recommend. Bonus British accents. Bonus British ac- British accents. <laughs> that 11 percenter uh, star. I literally only sipped and, and a tiny bit. What is that 11 percenter, by the way? So we went to um, Full Steam last night after we saw The Disaster Artist, which was super fun. Yes. Because um, we... Listened to the book recently, as read by Greg Sestero. And even if you don't know or have never seen The Room, which is what it's based on, this is a movie about making a movie. Mm -hmm. Or if you've never read The Disaster Artist, if you've never done either of those things, I think you can still go and enjoy it. I I, agree. I I really think you, you can. I think the ideal is to see The Room but not read the book yet. Yes, so watch the room, go see the disaster artist, and then read and the then book. read the book. Read the That's book. That's what last. I suggest. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we're doing so good at keeping our comments short tonight. Yes. Uh, since we went to full steam last night in Durham, North Carolina, obs. Um, do you like that obs? Well, obs. not necessarily. Yeah. No. There's a Durham, New Hampshire, which is where University of New well, Hampshire. Well, but we're is. in in North Carolina. Yeah. That's why I was saying obviously. <laughs> um. I brought home, well, first of all, I found out I can't have the coffee as for closers, which is what you're drinking, because it, it has lactose, and vegan Rachel, uh, third person, um, doesn't doesn't <laughs> consume lactose, so I did drink one before I realized that, but now I can't have it anymore, so. Not only is it a really good beer, mm-hmm. and they, they do it, I think, for a couple of months out of the year, that's it. Like wintertime, yeah. pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like late fall, winter. Winter. It yeah. came out on the 30th, I think, this year. November oh, okay. 30th, yeah. But um, not only does it have a great name, Coffee is for Closers, which... Glen Gary Glen Ross? Mm-hmm. If anybody's seen that, mm-hmm. they know where the, the moniker comes from, why the beer is named that. Okay. Um, and it's just delicious. It is really good. It is really good. Um, what I am having is the first frost winter persimmon ale, which is also pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also really heavy. So it's also 11%. Yes. I'm sipping very slowly (laughs) from it. So anyway, that was a really long introduction. 
So if you want to play a fun game, done. listen to how Rachel sounds at the beginning of this podcast and, <laughs> and how then she fast sounds at the end. The end. <laughs> See oh, if that 11% are kicked in or not. Sad but true. <laughs> all right, let's get to it. So, this week's all bad thing is the same as last week's all bad thing because we didn't finish it up. We just did a one-part megasode. This is trending to be part two megasode. We'll see how long it goes. Our second but. two-parter. Yes. But our first megasode. Yes. So this, I believe last week was an hour and a half. I think it was or like an, an hour and thirty-five, hour forty, close, to pushing an hour forty, yeah. something like that. Yeah, it was a long one. It was really long. Thanks for hanging in, guys. Um, but so this is Hurricane Andrew Part Two. So listen to Part One if you want all the deets about that part of it. Are you laughing at deets? Yes. Yeah. Obs. <laughs> <laughs> Totes. <laughs> oh Jesus. So we left off. <laughs> Last week, we talked about the impact on South Florida, like the impact of the, not the aftermath, just the actual storm mm-hmm. once it hit South Florida. And it was a motherfucker. Yes, it was. It landed as a Category 5, Yes, did it, it did. It did. 177 mile an hour winds recorded before the instruments broke. Broke. Yes. Yeah. So we don't know how no, heavy the winds get. not really. Not really. Um, and we also had interviews from my grandparents and my aunts. We'll have some more this week, too, um, but just from my grandmother and my aunt. Okay. Um, we kind of covered the bulk of what I was able to talk to Catherine and um, my grandpa about last week. So, anyway, yes, the takeaway was that Andrew, in terms of South Florida, was relatively unexpected, kind of came out of nowhere a little bit, or certainly took a turn that people just kind of didn't figure it was going to. It took people by surprise. Yeah, We'll, it, we'll put it, it that way. Um, there wasn't much time to prepare. And going through the storm itself was pretty scary. It was, it yeah. was a, like you said, it was a motherfucker. So, um, so I, I do want to talk, in fact, the bulk of this week's episode is going to be about the impact and the aftermath on South Florida. Um, but it would be, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about, okay, the storm didn't just stop in Florida and disappear. No. It's not how hurricanes That's work. Not how they work they at continue all. on until they run into land and then they break up as they hit they land. Dissipate. Right. Well they, yeah, they dissipate into like different fronts yeah. and yeah. So um so we are going to get back to South Florida because I'm from Miami and that's how we're taking the spin we're taking on this disaster, whether you like it or that's not. That's the lens we're looking at it Exactly, because it's a little more personal, this one. So so let's talk about the rest of Andrew after it moved on from South Florida. So South Florida has been hit. It came from the west, was he- or sorry, it came from the east, was headed west. I was thinking West Africa. Yes. Came off West Africa, went through the Caribbean, through the Bahamas, um, hit South Florida, and then moved into the Gulf Coast. The only place it could move unless it was going to move straight north. So so starting at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on August 24th, 1992, so the same day that Andrew hit South Florida, it was like early in the morning, like and, 5 a.m. I was going to say Andrew hit at like 5 in the morning. Yes. Yeah. So just a few hours after so this is, that. Uh, so eight, eight hours later. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, the National Hurricane Center started issuing hurricane warnings and watches for the Gulf Coast. Um, from Alabama to Texas, so it was kind of the area they were looking at. Mississippi officials suggested that 100,000 people evacuate. Um, shelters ended up with 68 people <laughs> in them. Okay. <laughs> now, that doesn't... 
That doesn't mean that people didn't evacuate. They may have gone to hotels or relatives sure. or just left the state or whatever. <laughs> but you wouldn't expect, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you set up this, this facility, like, I can see the news report, like, oh, this facility is meant to house, like, a thousand people over the next couple of days, and, and like 68 60. people show up. <laughs> and they're little... probably like, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, right? Like, I have we whole, can have all the food we want. <laughs> I have a whole gymnasium to myself. Yeah. Um, and a state of emergency was declared in Louisiana, and about 1.25 million people evacuated from Louisiana. That's... I didn't even know there were that many people actually in Louisiana. Right? Well, it's a good thing they did evacuate because that's where Andrew hit. Okay. South Central Louisiana. Um, a different South Central L.A. Get it? Ha, ha, ha. Yes. Louisiana, L.A. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, with you, and you still haven't <laughs> seen Boys in the Hood. No. <laughs> but I have heard of Don't Be a Menace to South Central while you're drinking your juice in the hood. Very good. Thank you. It came out when I was... Um, <laughs> Like 10, and I remember for movie times, you had to call the movie line. Do you remember yes, that did, back in the phone. day? Yeah, and I remember them going through all the movies, and one I remember hearing multiple times was, Don't be a menace to South Central while, while drinking, drinking your juice, juice in, in the, the hood. hood. That's the only reason I know that. But it, I heard it so many times I memorized it. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, the good old Wayans Brothers. <laughs> yes, I like the Wayans Brothers. Mm-hmm. They're endearing All somehow. 17 of them. I know. Or however many there are. <laughs> and now their there's kids at least, are doing There's things. at least four. I know there's four. And now their kids. Damon <laughs> yes. Wayans Jr. is like a that's, star That's now. true. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so Andrew hit Louisiana with maximum sustained winds of 115 miles an hour. So obviously a big downgrade from what it but, had hit South Florida. Still, a major hurricane yeah, nonetheless. Yeah, still nothing to shake a like stick a at. Like a Category 3, I think that is. I don't have my... Um, paper from last week, which 115 had, sounds like it would be a category three. I, that's what I'm guessing. It was it was like 60 miles an hour less than yeah. what South Florida felt, but um, it created storm tides of at least eight feet above normal. So that's significant, and causing plenty of flooding. I was going to say, and plus, uh, the coast of Louisiana, or at least where New Orleans is, is below sea level, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So if you were getting eight foot tides, that's that has, that has much much different well, significance in no it was eight feet above normal oh not okay just eight but feet still up. yeah that has much more significance sure. in that area of the United States than it would like well, say on the Atlantic coast flooding when you're below sea level anyway yeah that's yeah. a yeah or at sea level or yeah, whatever any raise in water level when you're already below sea level is just not good definitely um, heavy rains also contributed to flooding obviously. At least one tornado was created by the hurricane that that okay. hit and killed two people wow, and injured okay. 32. So okay. the bad tornado. Um, remember, like, when we were talking last week, like, my grandpa was saying in his interview that, or I think he was, either it was in his interview or one of the portions of our interview that I didn't play, he was saying that, Tornadoes formed but didn't touch down. They didn't down. touch down, yes. That's which what is, I was going to ask you about the... Which is questionable. Yeah. It's hard to know. I mean, m- maybe evacuated areas did see tornadic af- sure. activity, but they just didn't... No one was there to see it, so they're not sure. And the equipment was breaking and the hurricane was center say, was out, so... And nobody would have really noticed if it had or if it, if right. it didn't because the winds were already... It was so bad anyway. mile an hour, yeah. and then it, all, the, all the stuff broke. Yeah. All the... Uh, Equipment broke to measure that. So, yeah. so statewide in Louisiana, which sustained the worst damage in the Gulf Coast, Andrew damaged twenty three thousand homes, 
destroyed 985 homes and 1,951 mobile homes, with private property damage estimated at a billion dollars, closer to like one and three quarters billion now. We're talking, uh, I was going to say we're talking 1992 dollars. 25 years ago. So yeah, Yeah. 1.75 is roughly what it is now. So almost twice. Yeah. A lot of sugar and soybean crops were destroyed to the tune of 289 million, so closer to half a billion dollars. And at least 230,000 people lost power. Now, that's less than what it was in South Florida, but still, that's a, that's a crap ton of people. Upwelling that occurred killed 180, an estimated, obviously, 187 million freshwater fish. Wow. I Holy imagine shit. what is meant by upwelling is like salt water getting into freshwater and killing the fish that can't live in salt water. Somebody who knows, please let us know. Basically taking a bunch of fish for a tumble. I mean, some of them... Well, killed them. Killed almost 200 million fish. That's crazy. But that also makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So overall, damages were estimated at about $1.5 billion, so closer to $2.73 billion today. Adjusted for inflation, yeah. A total of 17 people died in Louisiana as a result of Andrew. Yeah. Eight from direct causes, nine from indirect. And... So, obviously, still, the storm didn't stop there. It takes a while for it to run into land and then start to disintegrate. Um, So, in addition to the damage and the deaths in Louisiana, other impacts to the rest of the U.S. included decreased fuel production because of damage to oil rigs in the Gulf Coast, Um, tornadoes that spun off of parts of the storm in other areas of the country, and heavy rainfall up into the U.S. Uh, precipitation from Andrew, directly from Andrew, occurred as far north as upstate New York. Okay. So very, it very well could have been that when you were 15... You, <laughs> it might have been a crappy, uh, yeah. crappy there may end been of bad, summer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember if it was or if it wasn't, but right? it's possible. Mm-hmm. So Every end of summer is crappy when you live near Canada. <laughs> So not just to brush past, oh, 17 dead people, billions of dollars of damage, tornadoes, you know, and pretend like none of that mattered. Obviously, it does, and that's terrible. But like I said, I'm from Miami, so we're going to go back to South Florida. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Plus, we're going to get to Katrina one day, which is the big one for Louisiana, obviously, so... Um, And also, 17 dead, 115 miles an hour was Louisiana's impact, South Florida, 44 dead and 177-plus miles an hour. So it's a bigger storm, a worse sure, storm. Sure, but also with Florida. what I was thinking about with Louisiana is you were talking about a much less populated area than yes, where Yes, that's hit, true. And 17 true. people still died. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Um, I can't do it in my head. I'm going to guess the per capita loss of yeah. Louisiana was greater than it was it, it may in have South been. Florida. It may have been. Um, and like I said, I'm not trying to like downplay no. that. It's just that because of my connection to South Florida, I'm just going to kind of And because of how it landed in South Florida. Yes. It landed as a Category 5. We don't yes. see those all that often. Mm-hmm. Basically, I'm self-conscious that I'm being so Florida-centric on this story. <laughs> but that's kind of the reason I'm covering it, too. It's a personal story, you know, because I had, it, it's my hometown, so my hometown disaster. Um, we have plenty of hometown murders. <laughs> we are Miami, after all, but uh, not many full-blown disasters, so 
somebody has one person has done four different documentaries on right? hometown <laughs> murders. So, <laughs> so yeah, you've got plenty to choose from right? there. Let, let, let's throw it out there. They all center around cocaine. Yes. <laughs> and marijuana, to an extent. A little bit. Square Grouper was about marijuana. Yep. yep. Um, anyway, um, just as a, a refresher, remember a million residents were left without power yes. in South Florida, too, which is about four times what was left in Louisiana. So, anyway. And this is one of those, because what you talk about in the first episode is, for the most part, hurricanes are just kind of a pain in the ass. Right. Like, like you get through them, whatever, mm-hmm. but power's out. Right. You know, traffic signals are down. Flooding or whatever. Yeah. So just, but this one was not viewed as a pain. This one was viewed as a catastrophe. Yes. It was huge. It was huge. Like I said, it kind of split time. Yeah. In South Florida. It's like before Andrew and after Andrew. Mm -hmm. And it, it, more than just culturally, which we'll get to. But, um, so I'd like to get back into the firsthand accounts I got from my family. Um, and a quick reminder, gave this disclaimer last time. This, these are their recollections, so to the best of their recollection, these are not, you know, scientific these facts. These aren't court documents. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, there may be some incorrect or contradictory information, yeah. So, but anyway. So, here are Alice's recollections about the immediate aftermath of Andrew. The devastation to the, the trees and the streets, you couldn't even... There were no landmarks anymore. Yeah. The... The trees that used to cover the streets in a canopy, the banyan trees, mm-hmm. were gone, and and buildings were knocked over, and cars were—I mean, trucks were overturned. Yeah. And it was—it was not anything that I had ever experienced before, and. So yeah. That, that's that's crazy. That what I what really struck it me. Sa- what, sounds like it was a like a war zone. Right. What she said about like like landmarks not even can you imagine like you know it's your home city or like your neighborhood but you kind of don't recognize it either because yeah well i mean imagine are missing imagine something that like just took out um pnc arena in the wolfpack stadium yeah like those are landmarks everybody knows in this area where Uh those are or street signs and uh, certain buildings you'd recognize a lot of the terrain although Part of the thing that gives terrain its, like, recognizability is topography. Sure. And here we've got shaped, hills. Which and, has been shaped through disasters. Yes. But we've, yeah. we've got hills and curves. South Florida is built it's on a grid flat. and flat as it's shit. so flat. So it would get a lot more confusing <laughs> without landmarks. I'm guessing most of the people, well, who knows? Or signs. Certainly some of the people listening to this have been to Florida. Yeah, I would think so. Well, South Florida specifically. Well, no, no, you're right for the flatness, yeah. Florida just, yeah, I mean, it's, where I grew up in upstate New York is also, like, just one of those weird places in New York that is, like, kind of flat. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, but. It's not super flat, though. There's still inclines and. But in Florida, you can, and I experienced this when I went to Arizona, when I went to uh, uh, Tucson, you can just see for, like. Ten miles. No, for Tucson, the reason you could see for miles because you were elevated. You were on a plateau. Yes. You cannot see anything in South Florida because you're just looking straight ahead. You can't see anything up and you can't see anything down. Right. So, no, you can't see for miles because there's nothing to see. There's no elevation. You can't see above anything. Sir, I just remember all I'm thinking about is when I went to Cape Canaveral. Like, that was a spot where you could just kind of see... 
Well, but there was a lot of empty space at sure. Cape Canaveral. In in South Florida, no. Like, you can barely see past the next palm tree because everything's on the same level. Um, I used to joke, there was this one overpass in Kendall. I used to call the Miami Mountain because it was the one place you actually could see and it was some an stuff. It was an overpass, <laughs> yeah. Highest elevation in South Florida is an overpass, so, yeah. Um, so, my grandmother... At the time of Andrew was in her late 50s. Um, so she was still working. She hadn't retired yet. Sure. Um, and she was working in Hialeah, which is just like northwest of downtown Miami. And uh, so she still had to get ready and go to work every day. Oh. And yeah, so life well, still sure. had to kind yeah. of go on. So here are her recollections about that. We were without power for a month. Oh, wow. And my mother was washing clothes with her hands yeah, in the sink, yeah. and we strung lines <laughs> on the porch. Because you, you were still working at that yeah. point, right? So you still had to dress professionally yes. and get into work. Yeah, because uh, in Hialeah, we were still working. Yeah. And, uh, had to go to work. Mm-hmm. So I didn't put my makeup on until I got to work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was so hot. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. That's true, because... Uh, Andrew was in late August, right? Because it was yeah. Alice's birthday. Yeah. So this was August in South Florida. You have at least two solid months of really hot weather. Yeah. And then it's still going to be relatively yeah. hot. You have the end of August and then you have the whole of September, which yes. is, I mean, when we went there in November, November. a couple of years ago, it was in the low 80s, high 70s every day. Yeah. Yeah, because that's, that's as cold as it gets yeah. usually. Like when it's in the 60s. At the peak of the day, people are wearing sweaters. That's true, they are. Like, right? that's, that's like, a, a, a chilly day. You know, and it's funny that we're recording this on the day that we have our first snow here in Raleigh. Yes. <laughs> so that's kind of funny, but, but this yeah. This is the coldest day we've had in a while. Yeah, it's really it's cold. It's fucking cold out. This is, this is a <laughs> cold start to our winter for sure here. But, yeah, so, and that would suck so bad to, like try and get ready for work <laughs> when like you have no power like we've done that a couple of times we yeah. had to for Matthew yes, we did. and just like the whole and, and like my grandmother said like she had to dress up and you yeah, know put thankful- on makeup and stuff and that's oh thankfully so I annoying. also put on my makeup at work just just <laughs> in general so that wouldn't have been a problem for me I uh I love that I can go to work now in my comfy pants <laughs> and no you can, makeup. You can, go to, you can go to work by opening your bedroom door. Yes, and walking and into the And going into den. the second bedroom. Yes. <laughs> it's fantastic. That's your commute to work. Self-employment <laughs> is amazing. Yes. Anyway. So, post-Andrew, there were some pretty significant problems. This will come as no surprise, I'm sure, with looting. Yes. Um, crime rates temporarily went up 50%. Um, this so South Florida, shit tons of people, millions of people in the MSA, a metropolitan statistical area, right? And anytime you have a large population, you have a large vulnerable population. You have uh, you add a disaster. There's a lot of desperation, a lot of opportunistic behavior, um, like looting and price gouging. Price gouging is yeah. huge too around a hurricane. So, so it's kind of to be expected. Um, and unfortunately, uh, gun ownership also increased during the time. Sure, because, for, there's, yeah. because there's looting. Because people panic and whatever. Anyway, 
Um, so here's a clip of Alice talking about, like, sort of the best and worst in people post-Andrew. Sure. And uh, my mother, the had a power pole go down in their yard. They didn't have power for all, over almost two months. Wow. Working off of generators. Mm-hmm. And uh, no fresh water. Having to take a shower yeah. at the uh, at a at the apartment in the where the pool is. Uh-huh. Paying twenty dollars for a bag of ice. Right. And the lines you had to stand in and. You know, it brings out the best and the worst in people. Yeah. I was I was so pleased. I mean, the storm had, was just barely out of the neighborhood, and you could already hear the chainsaws going. Oh, uh-huh. And this guy, he was chopping down a tree that had collapsed on someone's car, and uh, I heard someone say, oh, can you help me? There's a, The tree came through uh-huh. my sliding glass door. He goes, yeah, sure, no problem. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's really great of him. And then he said, I'll come over and give you a quote. Oh. Uh, and well, it was like, really, yeah. you know, maybe they can give you a couple bucks for gas, but you're really going to charge somebody to yeah, well, cut yeah. a tree out of their living room? I mean, yeah. yeah, you were lucky you had a chainsaw, but come on. So, yeah, like... And, and plus rebuilding. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, That's not even to mention. This is yeah. just like, right? So my grandmother... Because I know people take advantage of other people when they're oh, trying yes. to rebuild. Oh, there's, yes. There's yeah, yeah, yeah. Over time, I do think the laws in Florida, when that kind of shit happens, have become stricter. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And they're, like, I know they're, like, gouging hotlines and stuff. Sure. You can call, especially, like, if you... One of the biggest things is gas prices. I was just going to say gas. Goes up but right gas, before when, a hurricane. When something like that happens that impacts... Uh-uh. Before a hurricane. Oh, no, no, no. Gas prices jack up. I'm That's saying, gouging. I'm saying afterward... That, Pretty much the whole nation feels that. Yes, and but we that, talked about that. that but I'm particular, talking, that particular area feels it a lot harder. Yeah, no, I'm talking about opportunistic even before the storm. Sure. People jack up prices on things yeah. even beforehand, and that is illegal. Yes. There are there are um, initiatives from a lawmaking perspective about or a law enforcement perspective about reporting price gouging, and it's it's shitty because people are. Are jerks. Um, People are just taking advantage. Yeah. Uh, it's, well, or are highly capitalist. How It depends on how you look at it. Sometimes it's And both. some pretty extreme capitalists would say that it should be allowable, which is shitty. Anyway, um, yeah, and the whole thing about, like, ice costing 20 bucks and Yeah, what stuff. she said about it, yeah, that's... I mean, it should cost a, a dollar. Well, it's just people $2, putting up $3. prices because of yeah. opportunity. Anyway, yeah, so... Um, resource management is obviously a big issue after any big storm, um, and difficulties with transportation infrastructure can lead to difficulty in just accessing basics like food, water. Well, sure. Alice yeah. talked about that. Absolutely. Safe shelter, and obviously, like my grandmother talked about, like even just what might be considered creature comforts, like air conditioning. Sure. Which in South Florida is not a creature comfort. It's pretty much like a requirement, really. Plus the other thing too is to an extent, you have to get business up and running again. Well that's the thing, yeah. You're losing money on business if yeah. you're a business owner. Absolutely. Yeah. So the impacts are huge. So, Economic yeah. and otherwise, yeah. So here's my grandmother talking a little bit about like scarce resources. Nobody prepares for until the last minute. Mm-hmm. And the stores are packed. And the, 
Yeah. Yeah. And then the afterwards, trucks of ice are lined yeah. up. People are trying to get ice for mm-hmm. their food. And yeah. So, yeah. And, and that's funny that ice becomes like this thing that both Alice and my grandmother remembered. Like, uh, well, I'm guessing that's also because of how hot South Florida yes. can get. Yes. Yes. It's miserable. It yeah. really is miserable. I remember after Wilma. And, and, and humid. Just oh, like, yeah. fuck. It's, it's almost always like 100% humidity. Yeah. But yeah, um, uh, post Wilma, I remember that uh, it was um, it was close to Halloween, and thankfully, like right after Wilma, there was a quote cold front, which is just that it wasn't sweltering hot sure. behind it. So that was like the saving grace of Wilma, is that at least like, it was uh, a little cool afterwards. Yeah. But August twenty fourth, you are not getting. <laughs> you're a cold not getting. Front. You're not getting a cool front for a long no, time. No, no. Um, so here's an interesting. Um, part of the story, too, from my family's uh, perspective. Right after Andrew, Alice actually had a planned vacation. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I remember you saying that. <laughs> to go on with her girlfriend. Um, and there was some uh, interesting things that happened to her apartment while she was gone. So we'll listen to that. We got power within a few days. Mm-hmm. and uh, But uh, we actually had a, uh, a vacation planned. and left the following week it was you know we were convinced that well the worst if it's over yeah we'll just lock up the house and go but then the rain came oh yeah the storm itself wasn't wet but then storms came after it and then that's where everybody's houses started flooding because they lost roofs and windows and So we were up in Minnesota visiting you guys. Was that? I remember. Yep. Was that when you went to Pipestone? Yep. I remember that. Yep. I remember that. And uh, mom called and said, honey, I've got bad news. Oh, it's no. raining in your apartment. Oh. So uh, mom and my grandparents were alive at the time, and they were going to stay at the apartment because it had electricity. Right. So they just scrambled to pick up the furniture and put it on blocks and it there was no saving it. Yeah. So we got back from being out of town and there was a couple of inches of water in the apartment. Yeah. It had been the rope the rugs were soaked. Yeah. And since it had been closed up for so long there was mold and mildew oh. growing and the furniture was swelling up, you know, the cheap uh-huh. wood furniture you have. Uh-huh. And it was it was uh was um, an experience that I, I didn't think that I would get over it. You know, you I yeah. try to drive to go to work the next day and all the streets are blocked with the trees that are fallen and the power lines down and and you think that it's never going to get any better. Right. And it, and how can this ever get cleaned up? And uh, it it went from Homestead to Broward County. Yeah three counties, two counties at least. So, yeah, I don't know if you could tell there, but did you hear that sort of pause there when yeah. Alice was talking? So Was she trying not to cry? A little bit. Yeah. I'm, I mean, like, when, when I was talking, especially to Alice, I could tell just, like, obviously the storm left a lot of physical damage. And like she said, even post-storm. Like, their apartment was fine through the storm and then got destroyed afterwards yeah. just because of the previous damage. So, so like, 
to put yourself in the mindset of someone who's like home is getting destroyed. Like she was thinking back and to she's, that. She's on vacation in Minnesota, right? <laughs> so <laughs> not, not, ex- not exactly like a destination for no. Vacation. We'll talk about no, that I'm, in a second. I'm, but, I'm, no, I'm kidding. But um, come to but, Minnesota. <laughs> but just the um, like. That would be so shitty to live like that for, and it, it took would. months. Yeah. And it doesn't just leave a physical, take a physical toll. It takes an emotional toll too. Sure. So there is. Because your comforts are gone. Yes. So I believe there really is, like, for the people who lived through Andrew and the people I've talked to who have lived through Andrew, there's like at least a mild form of PTSD attached to that. Because the first time that you experience, like, your. The, the safety of home being ripped away from well, you. Well, you're, uh, you're completely vulnerable. Yes. Like what we talked about in the episode previously with your grandfather, you know, he was a fire chief. Right, yeah. And mm-hmm. he's just, he, in so many words, said, you know, you're kind of on your own during a hurricane. Yeah. Like right, because like of the emergency the, services weren't available. Like in the aftermath, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, we'll get to you when we get to you. Right. During the storm, like, mm-hmm. you're on your own. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nobody coming to save you. Yeah. Um, unless it's a neighbor. Right, maybe but, then but that's somebody it. could get it's, over. Well, maybe, but you yeah. can't really walk outside no. in those winds without risking your own life. But at best, it's, it's not going to be a public safety official no. because they have to hunker down. Yes. Because they have to prepare for what's yes. coming after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what, you know, so. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's. You're completely vulnerable. Yes. It's incredibly unsettling. Yeah. And, um, and. I really got I got that sense from everybody and from many other people that I knew in South Florida, but but from Alice, I especially could tell like she was like you could I as I was talking to her, I could sort of see it in her eyes that she was going back to that mentally and that it was just like, oh shit, that was the worst. Yeah. you know, and that yeah, that would be really overwhelming. So um now, as for Pipestone, so Pipestone is an Indian reservation mm-hmm. in um, Minnesota. And, uh, I remember when she, so I don't remember Andrew so well. Like I remember mom talking about it, my mom talking about it, saying that they were checking in, you know, making sure everyone was okay. But I definitely remember when Alice and Ruth came to visit from pipe or for, to go to Pipestone because okay. it was nearby. So, well, I mean, it's in Minnesota, same state. So of course they were going to see us, you know, since we didn't see each other all that often because we live so far away. So, yeah, I definitely recall that. I didn't realize it was right around Andrew. So that was interesting to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So one of the hard... This is an interesting sort of thing. Um, One of the hardest hit areas, in addition to Homestead, which, like, we talked about, like, mobile homes, basically 99% of mobile homes were gone. Um, So one of the other hardest hit areas was Country Walk. So Country Walk is uh, like a little neighborhood in south southwestish Miami Dade. Like a development kind of. It, it's yeah, it's like I mean, in you you have like kind of like Briar Creek is here. Yeah, like you have yeah. little names, even though they're yeah. not like actual cities. It was like, yeah, it was like ten years ago. Somebody was like, or oh, or like in downtown Raleigh is Mordecai, you know, yeah. and all that stuff. A created neighborhood. Yeah, like well, there's Kendall, there's West Kendall, there's sure. the Hammocks, there's Country Walk, you know, stuff like that. Naranja, so it, it down towards Homestead. So yeah, um, but Country Walk um, for anyone who's familiar with Miami Dade was it's like around 137th to like 162nd, I think. So it goes pretty far west, like kisses the Everglades, basically. 
And then um, from like 100, from Howard, so like 136 south to 152nd. So anyway, it's like a couple miles both ways, basically. Um, so at the time of Andrew, Alice was living in Kendall, so not in Country Walk. Um, but she did eventually move to Country Walk, so I remember that place very vividly. Um, but anyway, Andrew basically decimated Country Walk. Damn. It was it was almost leveled. Ninety um, percent of homes destroyed. Oh shit! In Andrew, uh huh. And the ten percent were that were left were probably not in good shape. Right? No, I would not think so. So um, Alice. Even though Alice wasn't living there at the time, she had a friend who was living there. So this next clip is going to be about kind of several things, and we'll revisit some of these topics. But she um, is talking about um, Country Walk as well as, um, like, sort of the first response to Andrew and kind of where that came from. Like I said, I think the strangest part was seeing the streets... And not being able to recognize your own neighborhood. Yeah. And the landmarks that you grew up with and and then uh, having no supplies. There's there yeah. was no electricity anywhere. There was if you didn't have food, you were out of luck. I had some friends who lived in Broward County at the time and we got into the car and just started heading north. And um, I remember that's the first time I ever heard of Walmart. Uh, the Walmart family had already had a, uh, a caravan of trucks mm. coming down filled with supplies. Mm. And we, they were headed south into Miami as we were headed north up uh. to Broward. And there was just literally caravans of these big semis filled with, with supplies. And it was just really moving to see the help coming so quickly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, had a friend who uh, lived in Country Walk, mm-hmm. which was devastated, basically because it was poor construction to begin with, and oh. then this big storm came in, mm-hmm. and uh, my friend Lois, she was there, and she was going to lose everything and didn't know what to do, mm-hmm. and as we were coming up to Broward to find some supplies, we pulled into a mall, and... Uh, she found a, it just happened to be a strip ball that had a State Farm agency in it. And she had State Farm at the time. Oh. So she walked in. It was uh-huh. a weekday or they were open. I forget how it all worked out. And um, they saw her right away and they asked if they had, she had pictures of the damage. And she, she said, look at the news. <laughs> look at the front cover of the Miami Herald. That's, That's my, my neighborhood. Yeah. And they wrote her a check on the spot. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's when the insurance companies were still pretty generous. Yeah. But unfortunately, wow. it was Andrew who brought a lot of good changes to the construction industry, right. but a lot of bad changes to the insurance industry yeah. because uh, there was so much damage and so many so many people were... I, I Actually, I saw uh, an interesting statistic in the paper. It showed uh, a color graph of the... Hardest hit areas in Florida were in in Homestead and in Florida City, and that was a farming community. A lot of immigrants are in uh, that part of Homestead, and then they showed another graphic as to where all the money was going, and it was all up in the Kendall area, the Coral Gables area, and even the Palm Broward and Palm Beach area. And it's like, well, those are the people who have the insurance. They're the ones that have the lawyers. They know who to call. Yeah, and uh, the people who 
lost their trailer had nothing because right. it was uninsurable right and now it's really hard to get insurance in florida yeah and expensive very expensive yeah so we'll get back into that stuff about insurance building codes and construction mm-hmm. and all that stuff because that's a big part of the fallout of it, it was a pretty big impact oh yes it, it, on, it was on those quite, industries mm-hmm. so like alice mentioned uh, seeing the walmart trucks coming in um the first response to andrew was civilian aid sure it, it was not uh, military aid um or, or a guy charging you to chainsaw your well trees. <laughs> yeah i guess that's civil aid still not free but <laughs> um so post andrew uh president bush this would be the first bush hw, HW. Mm-hmm. he Shot. quickly <laughs> yeah <laughs> Quickly declared Florida a disaster area. Sure. Obviously. Um, Florida Lieutenant Governor Buddy McKay flew over South Florida to observe the damage, aerial views, and said it looked, quote, like a war zone. Yeah. Um, and I actually have a couple pictures for you. Um, so that's Holy the Dadeland Mobile Park. Shit. Yes. That's the Dadeland Mobile Park, which we talked about. Wow. Yeah. It's fucking gone. It's gone. It's all leveled. All levels. It looks like a tornado. Yes. Yes. That's what and it looks it, like. It that. could have been. Yeah. I mean, people were evacuated, like we talked about. So, and that's just some more of the damage from. And every roof on that house is just fucked. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then yeah. you were saying rain came through days yeah, after that. Alice or days saying, after yeah. that. Yeah, that that was that was a thing. Yeah. Except, like this guy's house. He's like he's like the one uh, guy with no roof damage. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a little bit, but all the other ones. Well, are, or in this picture with the trailer, there's like that one standing yeah, just there. The, it has it has yes. damage, but the others are gone. Like yeah. you can't even tell the what's there. The others are flattened. Yes, completely. Yes, gone, gone. And that one's just randomly kind of okay. Which Grandma and Grandpa talked about in our interviews. Yeah. So yeah. Um. So uh, wow. Lieutenant Governor Buddy McKay. Florida Governor Lawton Childs and their staffers lobbied Congress for aid. Obviously, like, give us money. We need to rebuild South Florida. Um, And eventually Congress did pass, at the time, what was the costliest disaster aid package in congressional history of $11.1 billion, which is closer to $19.5 billion today. I'm imagining it was costliest at the time and then got surpassed by Katrina, 9-11, stuff like that. All kinds of stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say, even even in today's standards, like $19 billion doesn't sound that bad. (laughs) It sounds bad, right? It's like, Um, like, oh, that's a drop in the bucket. Right. Um, But that was passed on September 18th. Almost a month. So a month after, just about. Almost four, three and a half weeks, something like that. But Bush signed it into law on September 23rd. Exactly. So, almost exactly. One day shy. Oh, okay. Was the, okay. 30 days after. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this lag time, you know, between the disaster and the congressional response um, was relatively endemic of the disaster response to Andrew from the government. In other words, it was slow. Sure. In coming. Um, part of the problem was miscommunication and misunderstandings about procedures for disasters <laughs> on the parts of Childs, the governor, and um, President Bush, so uh, and and other officials well, well, that we also, really contributed to the delays. We just went through this kind of bureaucratic uh, pissing contest with um, Irma and 
um, what was the other big Harvey. hurricane? And Harvey. Yeah. Yes. Because mm-hmm. when New Jersey got hit in 2012. Sandy. Yes, mm-hmm. Hurricane Sandy. Mm-hmm. There was such a long delay. Mm. Well, from, that's been historic, apparently. Well, and at this time, I know for sure mm-hmm. that Republicans did not control Congress. Uh, um, but you know what else it was? What was August 92? The middle of um, election season. Yeah. Yeah. There was going to be a presidential election that H.W. was going to lose, mm-hmm. <laughs> as it turned out. Yeah. 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 It might have had something to do with it. It took him a whole month to sign off In on. Florida, it probably did. It probably I'm gonna did. I'm going to guess, like, uh, we should look at the electoral map in 1992. Right. I'm going to guess he lost Florida. Well, well, at least South Florida. South Florida's been always, though, pretty heavily Democratic anyway, but... Um, that'd, be inter- that'd be interesting to see. Not but. central and northern Florida, but and I, I, I was, the, but you're right. I was not thinking of it in that terms politically. Mm-hmm. There's an election that's about to happen. Yes, and a major economic area yes. of the United States is just dysfunctional yes. at best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So things were so, the government was so slow in responding that at one point, Dade County Emergency Management Director Kate Hale said on a nationally televised news conference, which this is ballsy as hell, quote, where in the hell is the cavalry on this one? They keep saying we're going to get supplies. For God's sake, where are they? End quote. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, pretty brave, isn't it? And, and. In response, President Bush said, quote, help is on the way, end quote, and res- disaster response came much faster after that. <laughs> so basically, it took a, women, a woman standing up on national television being like, what's wrong with you? And then the president was like, oh, sorry, yeah, it's coming here. The way I'm viewing it is instead of doing the decent thing from the get-go, mm-hmm. somebody had to force the federal government's Yes, hand. which is terrible, but I mean, kind of always the case. Yeah. Anyway, here's some of um, Alice's recollections about military aid. Sure. What neighborhood were you living in at the time? I was in about? I was in Kendall. Okay. Just off of Kendall and 107th. Oh, we okay. Were, yeah. So you were just down from Grandma and Grandpa. Yeah, okay. yeah. And uh, I think Kendall was the cutoff when they sent the military in. Oh. And they, uh, it was weird seeing um, yeah, you know, the, the Humvees and the National Guard was in, and you couldn't cross a particular border without showing your ID and to show that you lived in in an area. And uh, my grandparents had come up from Homestead because they lived in a mobile home. And uh, they, I drove down there with my grandfather and they wouldn't let us, they wouldn't let us in. So he found another route Uh and just going down the highway and seeing like the Home Depot didn't have a roof. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you go to Home Depot to fix your house, who's right. going to fix a Home Depot? <laughs> the Home Home Depot? Right. Home Depot Depot? The Home Depot Depot. Yeah, the Home Depot Depot. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, who's going to fix the roof on the Home Depot? Yeah. But that's how bad it was, you know? So. Well, uh, Arthur Blank would be the one to fix the roof on the Home Depot. Who's Arthur Blank? He's the CEO. Of Home Depot. Yes. Oh, okay. He also owns the uh, Atlanta Falcons. That's interesting, disparate investments, Mr. Blank, but yes. okay. All right. Um, so first military responders set up five tent cities in Homestead and Florida City. So Florida City is also on the south end, like close to Homestead. 
um, near the end of August. So there was military response. It was just not federal and not a ton of it until the aid package was um, approved by Congress. But anyway, initially about 150 families were taking shelter in these tent cities in um, Homestead, the Homestead area. I'm going to guess that ballooned a little bit. Well, here's the problem. In early September, school shelters had to be cleared out because school had oh, to be started. Sure. So, yeah. like I said, you know, life had to go on. Business had to continue as much as possible. School. So they could lose. Yep. So they would stop basic, losing money. Same for basic school. functions had to continue. Yes. So they had to start the 92-93 school year. So then there was a big influx in the shelter because people had were just basically kicked out of the school shelters. So. They also had an additional tent city. So you remember, remember you sixty-eight guys staying at the one gymnasium. Right, like, go to Lisi. <laughs> you can't have your own gymnasium anymore. Right. You have to go somewhere else. Right. So they also started an additional tent city at the Miccosukee Indian Reservation. So, yeah, tent cities. How fitting. <laughs> well. <laughs> So, getting to the long... Now we're talking about the aftermath of Andrew, the long-term lasting effects of Andrew. Um, And I really want to talk about, like, three big areas where Andrew was especially impactful. Migration, insurance, and building codes. Sure. So, first is migration. So, um, one of the things that happened that often gets overlooked is the change in the demographics in South Florida. So specifically, over 100,000 residents of Dade County moved north to Broward County. Okay. So now there's a lot of people in South Florida, but still, like even if there's a couple million people, 5% of the population moving into another county is significant, you know? Yeah. It's going to create all sorts of different things. Right. Yeah. So it, it, it basically sort of contributed to the sprawl of South Florida and a boom in places like Miramar, which is where the Dolphins play. It's like on the Dade Broward line. Yes, that's right. Yes, are you impressed? Yeah, yeah. I've been there multiple times, like yeah. many, many, many times. I've been there once. Yes, you have. <laughs> um, Pembroke Pines, Weston Plantation, places like that. Other suburbs of Dade and Brow- North Dade and Broward County. Um not only did the overall numbers shift and contribute in growth to Broward County, which is north of Dade County, north of Miami, like Fort Lauderdale's in Broward County, um, but it changed the racial and ethnic demographics, too. So basically, the 100,000 people who left um, Dade County were mostly like white people who could afford to migrate north, right? To get up and go. Yeah. So... Um, as you know, as you probably know, most people probably know, South Florida is a home to a large number of immigrants, first-generation um, American, second-generation American from other countries, especially South America, Central America, and the Caribbean. Um, so what happened when a bunch of white people ran north is it left more non-white people in Dade County. So that kind of left a lasting impact in sort of how each area is perceived, the Miami area versus the Fort Lauderdale area. Um, Basically, the Broward area is a little more... I mean, now, I will have to disclose that I'm speaking as a former Miami-Dade County resident. That Broward's a little more... 
uh, stuck up, perhaps. Well, you're from there, so you, you, you can say it. Yeah, I guess. You're, you're not an outsider. I guess. It's <clears throat> if, wider. If, if, if it's I was, a little more homogenous. If I was trying to form an opinion about South Florida, I'd have no business doing it. Well, like, I wouldn't have any opinion about, like, upstate New York, you yeah. know? So, so yeah. Um, and any, any valid opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Miami is a little more diverse, and um, so, anyway, that... But that was part of what contributed to the boom of Broward County, basically, which is still, it, it led to the overall expansion of South Florida as a giant metro statistical area, basically. Is that why it eventually became, I know you're just talking about Broward, mm-hmm. but is that is this hurricane eventually why Dade County became Miami-Dade County? Did that have something so to do I with don't, it? So I, I doubt it. Okay. Um, I, I, as far as I know, there's no specific, I think it was... So they named it Miami-Dade County. They changed it from Dade to Miami-Dade County. I think it was 96 or maybe 95 because it was right when we moved or very close to when we moved back to Miami, which was 96. And I remember, like, my grandpa especially was like, about it because he was a Dade County firefighter, so I'd have to be suddenly Miami-Dade. But I was really young. I was, like, 11, so... And I went to Miami-Dade College, yeah, and, it, which used to be Dade Junior It might have College just been just, a regular politics and had it could have nothing been. to do with this. It may have been branding, honestly, sure. sort of like, you know, we're not just Dade County, we're Miami. Oh, so let's call it Miami-Dade County. County. <laughs> we both did a little shoulder shimmy when we said that. <laughs> so, you bet so Dan Marino County. <laughs> right. Marino County would be an amazing <laughs> name. Marino <laughs> County, that would be amazing. Anyway, so I, I don't, I doubt that was as a result of Andrew. I mean, it was several years later, so I kind of don't think so. But I, I didn't do any specific research on that, so. And now, as for, so that was migration. Now let's talk about insurance. <laughs> so as Alice mentioned in the last clip we heard from her, um, Andrew really changed the face of property insurance. Oh, Yeah. And the, the entire insurance industry in Florida and even in other coastal industries. I was going to say, I think probably... Areas, yeah. Probably nationally. Yes. Or at least in places where... On the East Coast, on coastlines. Right. Yes, and the Gulf Coast, where, too. Where damage like this is a possibility. Yes. So payouts from insurance companies totaled $15.5 billion in $92. Today, that's like $27 billion. Okay. So, in fact, Andrew still stands today as the second costliest national natural disaster in U.S. history, second to Katrina. I was just going to say, I'm going to guess it's Katrina. Which, in all fairness, is like double the cost of Andrew. But still, Andrew's high up there, you know, in ranking. So, as far as the in- insurance industry goes, the catastrophic losses of Andrew basically showed how much they underestimated the exposure. Sure. Of such catastrophic loss, the possibility that they could have to pay out so much. Probably a bit of a cavalier attitude, I would, I would guess. Well, well, or just, so here, here's the thing. Um, so one insurance industry veteran estimated just a few months before Andrew, like as they were getting ready for the um, hurricane season, that a storm like Andrew, so a major hurricane, would cost like 4 to $5 billion worth of payouts. He basically was was like guessing a third to a quarter of what it actually ended up being. So their experts were completely wrong in the damage we're that could off. be done. And that and that to so that expert that was probably like this is the most catastrophic 5 billion. And he was totally off. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. 
Um, at least seven domestic insurance companies and one foreign, foreign insurance company operating in Florida became completely insolvent as a direct result from Andrew. So they just went under. Yeah, I did that. Just went under. Not surprising. Other companies became what they call technically insolvent, which means that the subsidiaries that were the actual insurance companies couldn't make it, made it, but they had parent companies that could bail them out. Sure. So... They, they were able to survive because of that. So as a, as a result of Andrew, some insurance companies requested, like, the ability from legislation to be able to hugely hike up their rates. Um, and some some companies actually just canceled policies outright. Like, yeah, no, we can't do this. Like, re- which, refused which you renewal. Heard, which, the aftermath of that, you heard a lot about when Katrina happened. Ah, uh-huh. Because a lot of people were just, thought they had... Yeah, well, I've got insurance. I've got and they didn't. And they got, yeah. they got nothing. So you're, you're literally at that point, Katrina, just giving your money away up yeah. until that happens. So residents obviously became very concerned by the fact that companies wanted to be able to rate hike up the rates were becoming insolvent. So they complained to their state reps, um, who called a special legislative session in May of '93 to specifically address this issue. Post Andrew. Okay, I mean that's good. Mm-hmm. At, at least, so at what, least they did an about face and like okay. So what resulted from this was a six month moratorium over any of these changes that insurance companies were taking to reduce their risk. Right. Just like no, like, like every can't not like, can't everything is on hold for now. Mm-hmm. And once this kind of once we kind of get a get out of the the forest through the trees. Right. We'll get a better understanding of this. So that six-month moratorium was followed by a three-year moratorium from legislators, legislators um, that restricted how quickly insurers could reduce their market share in the state. So basically what that means is that instead of just being able to say, no, we're not renewing your policy kind of willy-nilly, um, they limited companies to a 5% non-renewal rate in any given year period, 12-month period. So they could only refuse to renew up to 5% of the policies. So they were limited in how many people they could just be like, um, no, sorry, you're on your own, too. You right. know? So that made insurance companies much stricter in their original underwriting policies for new customers. So that was kind of one of the pop sure. thoughts of that, yeah. Um, and also, separate hurricane insurance deductibles were also introduced, with specific options for deductibles regulated by law um, in an effort to protect consumers, but also the solvency of insurance companies. Well, I mean, which makes sense. I mean, you can't yeah. have, I mean, insurance is a business, let's face it. They can't be insolvent. They can't not be able to... The idea behind... The whole idea behind insurance is a large number of people pay in for a small amount of paying out. Right. And that that ratio has to be kept. So I get it. There there has to be a balance there. Right. But then... So what... And it's interesting because I had not heard about this whole hurricane deductible thing until um, over this summer when I was helping my grandmother move. And, you know, make all and and work through her paperwork and everything. I saw her insurance policy for her house that she sold. And it talked specifically, and on the declaration page, page, and this is part of the law now, 
it had to explain hurricane deductibles very specifically. And it was something like you have multiple tiers you can choose, like a $500 deductible, but this is how much it's going to cost you. Or you can pick like 10% or whatever it is of the value of your home is your deductible. And then this is what your rate, your rate will be lower because of that. Or, you know, and then there's like three tiers of it. It's a whole bureaucracy inside itself. Just that one thing. It it is. I mean, and I kind of find it moderately fascinating because I've been um, studying tax (laughs) code. So, but anyway, we're not getting into that. So is tax code going to come on a postcard anytime soon? (laughs) I'm going to go with a no. Good luck on that. I swear. Yeah. No, we're not getting into that. Anyway, that's a separate podcast. Anyway. So the insurance industry also shifted to working less with what they call experiential data, which is like looking at the past to help predict what might happen in the future and looked more towards scientific models of data. Sure. Like, and what was predicted to happen, uh, Catastrophe modeling, they call it. So basically less what has happened and more what is possible to happen. Sure. So that helped them plan better for the future. So that, that's actually a good yeah. you know, result of it. So the last sort of big impact I want to talk about, like in the aftermath of Andrew, and it was very important, is the fact that Andrew revealed the need for much stricter building codes in South Florida. Florida in general, but especially South Florida. And codes that could make sure that homes could withstand or at least not be leveled by a major hurricane. I mean, you're going to have a home on the penis of America. Right. You know? In that region of Earth. Penis tip of America. (laughs) In that region of Earth, Mm -hmm. which is owned by America... Mm-hmm. You will have to deal with a hurricane at some point in time. At least it's it's been it's, cycling yeah. every 20, 25 years. Yeah. But it, yeah. you're, you're not going to escape it infinitely. It's, mm-hmm. You will go through one. Mm-hmm. So let's have a basic standard of... Something that can hold up to... Right. If, you're, yeah. if you're in an area that's vulnerable to this, mm-hmm. let's make sure that when we rebuild shit... It's not going to just get leveled again 10 years from now. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So one of the reasons, so there was a lot of construction pre-Andrew that was not able to withstand a hurricane (laughs) like Andrew. Oh, yeah. I I see the uh, housing development and the trailer park. Right, right. As as a, what am I trying to say? Uh, Evidence A and B. (laughs) Exhibits A and B. Exhibits, yes, not evidence. Uh Exactly. (laughs) Um, Exhibit A. <laughs> there, um, the, the all of these roofs are gone. And <laughs> Exhibit B. This entire mobile home is yeah, just, except for this one destroyed. random trailer. <laughs> except for lucky people's trailer. Yeah. They're relatively lucky. And so yeah, we yeah. need to change shit. Yes. So I mean, obviously, businesses are always trying to cut costs. So that was part of what the construction business was trying to do pre-Andrew: get homes up fast. You know, low cost. But there was a huge population boom in Florida in the 70s and 80s, too. Yes, so there they were was. Trying to get, they were trying to get houses up fast. And shoddy construction is faster than stable construction, you know? So that was part of it. So there wasn't a lot of um, 
thought about like oh this this building oh, is going to have a category to, 5 hurricane exactly, comes in exactly so um especially so i i'm pretty sure that the last major hurricane like last big hurricane to hit south florida before andrew was camille in 69 i could be wrong about that but so like i said it's I like every generation a big yeah. one comes along in south florida because irma was pretty close I was to the say, last just, big one just had one yeah and that was 25 years mm-hmm. like Almost to the day, basically. Yeah. Very close to it. Like two weeks after the 25th anniversary or whatever. So um, so there, the 70s and 80s when all this shoddy construction was going up, nothing happened. Nothing huge mm-hmm. happened like Andrew. So, um, And then a Category 5 just yes. comes out of somewhat nowhere. Yes, a little bit, yeah. So remember we talked about Country Walk, the neighborhood <laughs> that was leveled? The, the, the neighborhood that... Uh, was created and then destroyed. Yes. So, like Alice said, shoddy construction was, like, basically to blame for why it went down so bad. Um, And there was even a grand jury investigation into the construction. I would hope so. Companies that built the homes. Yep. And no criminal indictments were ever brought. I was going to say, they probably all got a slap on the wrist, but... No, not even that I could tell. Like, nothing was... They weren't indicted at all. (laughs) They didn't even get that. But... Homeowners in Country Walk did eventually sue the builders, and they settled out of court. So oh, like a class action suit, probably. Yeah, basically. Or okay. a tort or something like that. So there was also the issue of code enforcement. So prior to Andrew, building code enforcement was flimsy, like a bass. <laughs> or non-existent. Exactly. So in 1994, the first post-Andrew version of the South Florida Building Code was published. Um, it focused on wind resistance and roof integrity. So those are like the two big things. So prior to Andrew, a lot of the roofs on homes in South Florida were made of like relatively like low grade plywood stapled down. It just yeah. and those are going to come up. But yeah. now the restrict the um, the codes are much stricter on the type of roofing you can have and the way it's installed. So that got changed around. Pretty damn quick after Andrew. And, and here, here's my thing when I when we talk about the sort of like building code regulations and things like that. Mm-hmm. When people bitch about regulations and this and that, here's the one thing I always like to remind them mm-hmm. of. Like, okay, if these huge corporations or if these small whatever, if they had just done the right thing in the per, in the first place, guess what wouldn't be necessary. Regulations. Yeah. But business always watches out for business. That's the purpose of business. <laughs> yes. So if business watches out for business, somebody's got to watch business to make sure they don't right. take advantage of everybody Somebody's got to watch out for the consumer. Exactly. So, yep. so next time you bitch about regulations, mm-hmm. just think about what had to happen. A, for those regulations yeah. to get passed. It's usually a catastrophe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And B, why, they're st- why they are still in effect. Exactly. So in 2000, so th- that was the South Florida building code. But in 2002, statewide building codes sure. took effect, though Broward <clears throat> and Miami-Dade actually even have higher standards than those in the statewide, sure. you know, code. And I'm so. sure it's up to each county to how strictly they want to enforce it and well, this and that. Or- no, not enforcement. Those are statewide regulations, but... They can increase those regulations if they choose. Well, that, that's what that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, no, they have no yeah. choice about the minimum. Yeah. <laughs> but they can increase it. Yeah. yeah they, they can they can raise the ceiling. Exactly. 
So the first major test to these new co- new codes was actually Irma, Hurricane Irma, sure. this September, and it was found. Findings have been coming out that buildings built to these new standards fared significantly better than pre-Andrew construction. Yeah, I'm so, sure they took on some damage in this and that, but mm-hmm. not nearly what would have happened. No, not at all. In fact, many homeowners even described, so people who had um, homes built to these new standards, described debris as, quote, bouncing off their roofs. <laughs> yeah. So basically, it just didn't do any damage. It just well, deflected it. I remember when we were staying in Fort Lauderdale, mm-hmm. when we walked past that one vacant lot, it's probably already built by now because that was like three oh, years the, ago. Yeah, but you remember the seeing the, yes, the condos uh-huh. that they were building. Uh-huh. The, I think it was the second line item for like oh, the, the features. Right, on the advertisement. It was hurricane impact proof, hurricane impact windows. Yes. That is a huge yeah. business in South Florida. In fact, um, sort of a so, so essentially family. like you don't need to dick around with shutters. Right. Like your your windows will be able to take care of it. Knew a guy when we were when I was growing up in Florida. Like my parents' age, a, a, the guy, my, a guy my parents' age, who from our church, who was a CPA, and actually ended up completely abandoning being a CPA to invest in and open yeah, like, a hurricane impact window business yeah. that, like that, took off. Hell yeah! Right time, whole bit, huge money maker. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure they're not cheap, but but there are no, but, but there are there are plenty of people it. that I'm sure that are willing to pay for it. Yeah, then so than dick around with an insurance company, right? So I guess the positive of Andrew is, even though it was terrible, it helped the future of South Florida sure. and and Florida in general, but and even other coastal areas, which is what a disaster should do. At least prompt you should yeah. learn from it. Yes, yes. D- it doesn't mean you're going to figure everything out, right? Uh-huh. But, okay, we can eliminate A, B, and C right. the next time something like this happens. Well, you don't want 44 people to die, and that's just in that in the state of Florida. And, you know, millions of people to be homeless or have their homes damaged or decimated because, because, for nothing. Because that's going to cost you more money in the back end. Yes. That, I mean, exactly. you news don't agencies want, people don't talk about. You is, never yeah. want it to happen again in the same, under the same circumstances, yeah. you know? So, Yeah. Yeah, because those 100,000 people that all of a sudden migrated to a different county, Mm -hmm. guess what? It freed up money from one county, and it flooded another county with, Mm -hmm. like, like for social services, like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? Yeah, fair enough. It it impacts on so many parts of infrastructure. Absolutely, absolutely. So, the last thing I want to touch on, so I talked about all the, the... this is kind of a sidebar. This is, this is a, a Megasode 2. Yes, it is going long. <laughs> um, but this is like a little sidebar because this is is just like, ugh, hurricane, terrible things happening. Here's the, the little um, sidebar. I did grow up in South Florida. Here's the little inroad or um, South Florida insider scoop on Hurricane Andrew, kind of the little sidebar that... Um, Hurricane Andrew produced a little bit of a superstar in one Brian Norcross. What? Wait, what? 
don't now, know what Now, it's about. okay if you've never heard of Brian Norcross, but let me tell you the legend of Brian Norcross. So, How can you tell somebody the legend of Brian Norcross if nobody's <laughs> ever heard of him? You Just because you have never heard of him doesn't mean many other people haven't heard of him. I'm going to guess our Hungarian listeners have not heard of him either. <laughs> if they watch the Weather Channel, they have. So let me oh, tell you. Oh, is that who he is? Let oh, okay. me tell you about the legend of Brian Norcross. So, one of the biggest heroes to emerge from Hurricane Andrew was one Brian Norcross. So he is a meteorologist on the Weather Channel. But back in the day, he was the local weather guy in South Florida, specifically um, WTVJ NBC6 back in 92, right? So he's a Florida guy. back in the day. Yeah. (laughs) He's a Florida guy. I think he's from Melbourne, which is like halfway up the East Coast. But he he was broadcasting in South Florida. I was thinking Australia, but that's okay. (laughs) Not Melbourne. (laughs) Melbourne, Florida. It's Melbourne, Australia, and Melbourne, Florida. Um, But he, I think he still lives in Miami Beach. In fact, I think he's still based in South Florida. Well, if he's a legend, then that's... Exactly. He should should reign over his kingdom. (laughs) So before the storm... uh, Brian Norcross had the foresight to run transmission lines directly to a local radio station so that even if they lost oh, broadcasting capabilities at the TV station... They put it out station, over the radio. Bingo. Um, and what, so, yes. And, and why did the producers and directors in like TV management not think of that? Because they're not the legend. Brian Norcross is so. the man yeah. that the legend. Yes. So during the storm... Good for this guy. Honest honest to God. Yes. So are you feeling less mocking of him now? Yes, I am. So during the storm, Brian Norcross was in the basement of WTVJ for 23 hours straight on the air. He broadcasted radio for 23 hours... The National Hurricane Center radar center's radar went out because of Andrew. And Brian Norcross was the guy who advised Now listen dug in the, his heels. No, he no. Just, he was the guy who contacted the National Hurricane Center to keep them apprised of where the fucking storm was. Sure, that's what I'm saying. This yeah. guy was the one who was reporting to the he, National Hurricane he was literally Center what's on going the, on. Literally on the front line. Yes. Not only that... Just getting it, literally getting it done. Not only that, but he took calls from people for hours on end... No shit. To talk them through what to do if their roof blew off, like how to stay safe, where to go. How to prevent their roof from flying off, as we heard in our first episode, you gotta change the pressure of your house. Right, right. So, which is crazy. So basically, he is known as the man who talked an entire region and millions of people through one of the worst hurricanes in U.S. history. I, I do feel bad for mocking him now. Thank because, you. Because that that's pretty fucking awesome. That's Thank pretty epic. You. Yes. So he. Th- this guy is literally just hanging his balls out there, mm-hmm. and he's for who knows how many people. Because again, this is a highly populated yes. area. Who knows for how many people he was like a a savior. He was the beacon in the storm, yeah. literally for a lot of people in South Florida. So he is kind of a legend as a result of that in the area. Um, And he actually recently wrote a book called My Hurricane Andrew Story, which is actually... (laughs) I do want to hear this. It's actually a really... So I would love to read the book. I actually want to get this book. But um, it's a brilliant title, too, 
because every South Floridian who lived through Andrew has their, quote, Hurricane Andrew story. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a almost a humble title because he's like, well, here's my Hurricane Andrew story. Yeah. Except he was the guy who <laughs> I, was in the basement. I sat in a basement <laughs> for 23 hours live on air. Talking people through <laughs> for almost a day straight. While fucking hell was raging on yes. like 10 feet above my head. Yes. <laughs> so he he really is a legend in South Florida. Oh, that's for pretty that cool. That's, that's awesome. That yeah. really is. I dig Brian Norcross. Yes, and aren't you so ashamed that you mocked him? I am. Yeah. But I was only doing that for comedy's sake. Oh, yeah. okay, good to know. <laughs> so, um... Wherever you are, Brian Norcross, sincerely, that's awesome. Hats off to you, sir. Yes. Yes. That's, that's friggin', that's, that's steel balls. It's right badass. There. It's really badass. So, all right. So, last clip... I've got of an interview is Alice talking about sort of the lasting effects on South Florida. Sure. So I'm going to play that now. Was there a point where you thought or noticed that things felt like back up and running? Like, okay. Cause I know it, it wasn't like, Oh, a couple months later, everything's fine. It took, no, it took many oh, months. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say many months it, for you even... just to be able to get through the streets. Yeah. And yeah. find ways around. And, uh, I mean, eventually things did get back to normal. Right. And, uh, but it, I do remember feeling, you know, driving down the street, that feeling of how, how will this ever get cleaned up? Yeah. It was just everywhere you looked. Mm-hmm. And everything looked so different. Yeah. Because the trees were down and, and it was, you don't realize how much you base your perception of the world on just the shape of a tree. Right. And yeah. then you find it unearthed and laying on the ground and, and it's not like you could just push the tree back up right. again. Mm-hmm. It, it had to be chopped up and now there's this big hole in the ground and the yeah. canopies are, it, uh, but it's been what? What is it? 25, 25 years? 25 years. 25 years. Wow. In a month or so. And Six weeks. And you, you can, I guess you can almost not see it anymore, but. Yeah. I guess there are some neighborhoods like in Coral Gables with mm. the, all the banyans that covered the trees and the big canopy. A lot of that's not there and it looks very different. But then that's progress too. Yeah. You know, yeah. You go to your hometown after 25 years, everything's going to look a right. little different. But it's interesting to think that it did actually change the landscape. It did. It did. Just oh. in one oh, you're fell in. swoop. You're so- yeah, that was. We were in a car, remember yeah. talking? Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, that the idea that the. You know, like Alice was saying, like, you go to your hometown 25 years later, obviously it's going to look different, but that basically happened overnight. Mm hmm. You know, and, and then that landscape kept changing until things were finally, you know, rebuilt. So, so that is why I think this, that's why I really wanted to cover this was to have a perspective of sort of the long-term effects that a disaster can have, sure. even if its initial impact isn't like, we've, we've covered disasters where thousands of people have died. You know, and that's horrifying and terrible, but we haven't had that sense of what it's like for the surviving of it to we being had just a, as much of an impact. We have not had an inside look on it yeah. until now. Yeah. We've never interviewed anybody that no, went through first interviews. any of the mm-hmm. stuff that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. But I remember Andrew having, like, a long-lasting effect, like people... Oh, yes. You know... 
Because my dad moved to Florida, got a second place like in the late 90s, and he was mm-hmm. like, people were still talking about oh, it. Oh, yes. When we moved yeah. back in 96, it was still a huge topic of conversation. I remember, because um, uh, we went to church in South Florida when I was growing up, um, I remember on the parsonage, which mm-hmm. is, you know, the house that our pastor had that the church owned, um, they had a little, like, plaque on the front door oh, okay. that said something like, God protected this house during Hurricane Andrew, you know, it just the sig- the cultural and like personal significance of sure. that. Like we went through it too. Yeah. Just, it, and how much of a, of part of your life story it becomes sure. too, when you go through something like that, um, a natural disaster like this, let alone like all the people who've gone through those freak disasters sure. or like it, Disasters leave such an imprint on places, but it leaves a much bigger imprint on people. Yeah, if you've gone through it, of yeah. course. Yeah. So, so if that's lived really through where it, the... Because you knew what it was like before, you knew mm-hmm. what it was like during, and then you know how it's changed, things right. have changed after. Right, and I hope, and I think we've done pretty good at this, that like as much light as we make of certain aspects of what we talk about... Um, I feel like we've done really well at never mocking, like, the people who have either, like, died as a result or been victims, you know, who have survived. I I did kind of mock the Weather Channel reporter, (laughs) but I didn't realize, what was his name again? Brian Norcross. Brian Norcross. I didn't realize how much of a badass he was until you started going through it. I was like, yeah, that's pretty awesome. So, a very big cheers to... Any survivor of a giant disaster, or it could even be a personal disaster. You know, trauma is trauma regardless. Sure. And obviously a very big tribute to anyone who has died in a disaster because, you know, it could happen to any one of us. And we're just lucky that it hasn't happened to us, basically. So <laughs> We're just lucky we live in Raleigh. We're looking at natural, no <laughs> natural disaster. No. This is pretty... Is a pretty slim threat. We're, we're, we're relatively <laughs> safe here, you know? So, so yeah, but uh, there's plenty of people who live in places that either can't relocate, yeah. or, I mean, who we're, really wants to move from the place that they love that, and are familiar with and grew up in, you know? It was hard for me to leave South Florida, even though we went through, like, three hurricanes the year before we moved, you know? And surprisingly, so, it was not hard for me to leave upstate New York. <laughs> 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 but we don't. We didn't have natural disasters there either. The worst you were going to get is a blizzard. Yeah, well, yeah, which, there you which go. kills people here and there. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. it's certainly nothing like a fucking Category Five hurricane. No, barreling down on. No. Yeah. Anyway, we're all all of us who can hear this. We're lucky because we're here, and yes. uh, I'm very grateful that my family made it out of this. All of you yes. know. Okay, so yes, that was. Hurricane Andrew. Yes, and this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.